0: Hey everyone, it's your host, James Olson. Before we get to the episode, I just want to share a quick reminder that Pacific Sound Radio has our very own playlist called Van City Jams. Van City Jams features bands and artists that we talk about in every new episode we drop, along with a selection of our favorite local singles. The playlist is updated every week, so head on over to Spotify and expose yourself to some new and exciting Vancouver music. That's Van City Jams only on Spotify. We now return to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and this week we are speaking with Holy Felix. Holy Felix is the latest musical project of vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter Felix Roberts. After playing in a handful of bands and previously releasing music under the moniker Rabbit Hole, Roberts has reinvented himself as the hard rock heretic Holy Felix. His first round of singles, along with his fiery live performances, have created an undeniable buzz in the Vancouver music scene. With his upcoming debut record titled Seven, promising to be an apocalyptic revelation. Here is an exclusive advanced listen to a track off of the new Holy Felix album. This is Believe Your Eyes. Thank you for coming on the show, Felix. Very excited to have you here. As we're nearing the end of the year, and you were actually our last guest of the year, I wanted to find out what have been some of your favorite records of 2023. Oh, that's a cool question. Thanks for having me here. My pleasure. Um, favorite records that came out this year or just that I'm listening to? This year, for sure. But also, if you, there's been anything you've been listening to lately that's been really exciting you, also you know, to hear it. I think this is maybe 2022.
1: I could be wrong, but there's this album by a band called Bad Nerves. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. They're kind. Of, I think it's their first album. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's kind of like um, it's like a modern Ramones type of vibe it's every song is just like as fast and hard as you can be it's just like wall of sound the whole time which normally i do honestly not really super into but um they just do it so well as soon as i heard them it was like god i want to open for these guys they're uh they're amazing so i'm i have that on repeat oh also um do you ever listen to yebba
0: I haven't heard of Yeba, actually. Yeah,
1: she was... I found her uh, on a Mark Ronson album. Oh, cool. He featured her three times in a row. So you have all these, like, crazy names on a, on a Ronson album, and then there's just three Yeba. Yeah, I'm like, who the hell's that? Yeah. And so I looked into her, and uh, turns out she's, like, the best singer alive right now. It's honestly Holy so shit. crazy. She did this... Um, she did this live at Electric Lady Studios video with like Questlove and a few other people, oh, damn. like heavy hitters. Yeah, and uh, just sonically, it's like I don't know. It's I've list, It's one of those things that you listen to like four times in a row. I can't get enough of it. And her album, uh, her newest album, which I also don't remember the name of. I have
0: a kind of a shit memory, honestly. Um, it's too many bands, too many artists. Yeah,
1: too much weed, probably. But. Uh, <laughs> Her her latest album is is so interesting, and then the more I looked into her, the more uh, deep it became. It's funny when you like love an artist or love a song, and then you find out like they're not just making shit up. It's actually based on something really gnarly, um, like uh, Chester from Lincoln Park, for example. Mm-hmm. When that happened, it was like, oh my god, he wasn't. That wasn't like a front. He was. He really felt those things, you know. Yeah. It uh, kind of changes the vibe, so with Yeba, there's this whole kind of tragic backstory about her mom that uh, changed the whole, it just gives you goosebumps when you hear it, so highly
0: recommend that video in particular. Damn, well yeah. those are uh, some two excellent suggestions. It's funny you mention, of course I can't remember the name of the artist, my memory sucks too, but on, there's two different occasions, I remember the songs at least that are, I heard this uh vocalist but there's this one like backing vocalist on a Yves Tumor song and a Lil Yachty song Mm. and on both occasions I was just like holy shit this vocalist is great and I sought out her music she doesn't have a lot out but she's really good Um, I'll probably add this person who I'm thinking of in the playlist that'll come out after this episode sorry for not remembering your name (laughs) yeah well
1: that makes me feel better about my
0: memory then but good stuff yeah how did you get your start making music uh funny there's a picture of me
1: as like a six month year old holding a little toy guitar and i like to just point to that photo like it's just right from the very beginning uh i was in uh punk bands all throughout like middle school and high school and played in jazz band at the school and stuff and it's just like it's all i've ever really done <laughs> honestly so my whole life but started to get pretty serious in like just when i was maybe 18 19 we started to uh Get like not horrible the songwriting started to actually kind of evolve one of the things I always tell people who are just starting is it's like you got to write so many shit songs first I feel like (laughs) like you have to like prove that you can write a bad song kind of or at least I did and I wrote a lot of bad songs and then uh, something clicked I guess and I had a band called the flu um, in high school and we had a little run of success and that kind of
0: swallowed my life for most of my like childhood yeah and what were some of the bands and artists that drew you to music and continue to inspire you yeah my first or maybe second
1: concert i ever went to was nine inch nails Ooh, nice and uh i didn't honestly know much about them i was probably maybe 14 i worked at a pizza shop and this like this one dude that worked there was this like huge goth guy and he was so scary but like so awesome and uh he kind of did that older brother thing where he'd recommend you cool shit that was really like dark that your parents would never know about like i remember he he showed me that show metalocalypse i don't know if you remember that nice and stuff like that yeah. so he one day he came to work and he was like i got tickets to nine inch nails you should go so i went and uh man it was just the crazy i still remember like, where I was sitting and just seeing the screen. He had this thing. Have you seen Nine Inch Nails before?
0: I haven't, and I'm bummed because Trent said that he's not really interested in touring anymore, so... <laughs> I feel like that's just a thing Trent would say. You know, I that. hope so. I mean, he is a bit grumpy sometimes, but... Yeah,
1: I don't believe him, but I did hear <laughs> that. But yeah, he had this thing. All his shows are insane, but at this one, they had this, like, three layers of screens that were like one behind them, one amidst them and one in front. And they were doing this like depth of field animation shit the whole Ooh. time where there was like a desert that was like, there was like sand dunes blowing past them. And they were like interacting with the the video on the screens. So wow. there was a guy who would like, I remember there was a guy who squeegeed the effects off of the, it was just like, huh. it was just so, such a crazy thing to see. And before that, I saw my first concert was Sum 41, which was awesome, but like, just like visually, they just kind of stood there. Yeah. You know, and uh, something about that Nin concert just changed everything. It was like, uh, I don't know, it, it, I think it got the ball rolling for me on just what kind of like a
0: North Star where I want to end up. Yeah, I had a similar experience, not necessarily a show, but I remember my neighbor who my sister was friends with, would like burn CDs for, for me and her. And on one of the mix CDs was "Holiday" by Green Day. Hell yeah! And I remember, you know, I was I was like twelve or thirteen at the time, and I was like, you know, listening to music, but I hadn't there wasn't anything that grabbed me at the time. But I remember I heard, heard heard "Holiday," and it felt like a bolt of lightning had hit me. Where I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and yeah, so like Green Day was that initial band, and then
1: went from there. That's funny you say that, because my first CD I ever owned was Dookie, their Green Day album.
0: Yeah, it's either, it's the weirdest thing. It's either Dookie or American Idiot, or like those two, seems to be like two albums that matter to like two generations at the same time. Right. Yeah, and I think I was kind of like, you know, I think Dookie came out in like 94 or 94, something. 94,
1: yeah. And I was born in 93, so I, I kind of, my I had two older brothers and I got access to a bunch of old albums really quickly, so... I was definitely a Dookie guy. I remember, like, as soon as American Idiot came out, I loved it, and my band used to cover all half the songs mm-hmm. on it. But like, I was already becoming a snob. I was already like, this isn't really, you know, it's not Green Day. It's cool, but it's not Dookie. Uh,
0: but yeah, that album is uh, definitely huge influence. So many bands I talk to, it's like Green. Yeah,
1: day. I believe it. I feel like I've always kind of equated them to. The Ramones for for people from yeah, the 90s that'd be a good comparison. Everybody I uh, everybody I talked to from you know 70s 80s they seem to they seem to be Ramones fans. I actually did uh, I'm gonna name drop here. This is gonna sound really lame, but why not? Uh, I did a album at, with with Steve Albini from uh, Chicago who did oh shit. Like, in utero and yeah. a bunch of stuff like that. He produced a flute the last album from my high school band, which completely tanked. But <laughs> uh, but I remember just, like, talking to that guy was really cool, and surprisingly to me, his favorite thing in the world was Ramones, Um, and it's just kind of, it's interesting, because when I listen to them, I don't get whatever everyone else is, like, I get why they like it, but it doesn't do the thing to me that Dookie does.
0: Yeah, and I think it might have been just the Ramones were the right band at the right time sort of thing. And some bands, like, they're able to transcend that in terms of music music history. Like, you know, the Beatles still sound good to this day. Nirvana still sounds good to this day. But some bands are more fixated in a specific time and place. And maybe the Ramones are like that, where, like, you know, at that time, they were the fastest band around. And, you know, by today's standards, especially with metal, it's like, okay, well, it's not that fast. (laughs) Yeah, it's really not anymore. Also, I have this kind of theory, like,
1: I feel like um, the production and the mixing on uh, everything from the 80s, it seems. It's like there was a very specific sound that's like recognizable immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like the early synths. And like tons of reverb like gated reverb on snares gated and everything snare. it's
0: all <laughs> phil collins fault
1: right exactly do you know the story about how that happened
0: oh remind me i've heard it before
1: but i don't even know if it's true but i heard from somebody that it was like they basically just had the talkback mic on in the studio and the snare was feeding through it and then cutting it was this like accidental gate ah. that was happening Um, But anyway, that that sound, which is so specific, I feel like you either like it or you don't. And unfortunately, it just doesn't do anything for me. So I feel like I have a huge blind spot for a ton of bands, Uh, Ramones being one of them, because it's just the sound. It's just sonically doesn't tickle the ear for me.
0: Well, I know that it's one of those bands where they were definitely like the first three are the best, and then... You know the, their eighties material, eh. right? <laughs> oh, they, were they? They started in the seventies. Yeah, they started in the seventies. No yeah, they were like uh, basically emerged at the same time as like all those initial punk bands, like really? Sex Pistols and stuff like that. So right. Okay, well, my gauge is way off then. Yeah, well, my theory garbage. I should must be listening to the Pet Cemetery or something like that. I, I must don't know. have been. Yeah, <laughs> I've just always pictured them. I've always kind of thought as
1: punk as an eighties thing for
0: some reason. Certainly it there's the initial late 70s punk thing with sex pistols the clash the ramones tons of other bands and then it kind of splintered a bit where there's like new wave so bands that bands that were like oh we like the punk the punk energy and some of the simplicity but we also want to write like you know pop oriented stuff and then there's hardcore where it's like no we want to do this and we want to be angrier about it yeah so like certainly like 80s was the decade for hardcore right yeah. which i
1: feel like was the seed for a lot of my favorite bands you know there i feel like a lot of the people that i love were kind of spawned out of like black flag oh yeah you know like in the melvins and shit yep. <laughs> just that that
0: whatever that genre is yeah like yeah hardcore post-hardcore grunge then you've got metalcore and deathcore and all that stuff a lot of core core man core core, <laughs> core memory shit <laughs> So you mentioned that you've uh, you played in a handful of bands, including the Flu. Uh, another one uh, you know you used to play for was a uh, Hippie Satan, uh, and this is before you wound up striking it out at, striking it out on your own. What do you learn from your time in those groups? That's I
1: think that's the closest. Uh, hopefully not the closest I'll ever feel, but that felt like a Nardwar moment just then. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that that name popped up. Um, Appreciate the compliment. I'm sorry, I was lost in my own ego there. Can you repeat the end of the? Oh uh, yes. Uh, what did you learn from your time in those groups? God, so much. I feel like each of those bands was such a huge lesson. I mean, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm sure there's tons of shit I'm doing wrong right now. But the flu was was a lesson in like how to put on a great show. I feel like we that was one thing that we did really well. We had some we had some decent bangers, but. For the most part, it was like we just had such a energy life. I guess Hi- hippy Satan was funny because do you do you have any idea what that is? Nope. It's so do you, do you know what Desert Sessions is? Oh yeah, like Queens of Stone Age Josh Homme, that sort of stuff. And the idea behind it is that they just get together and make something in mm-hmm. like a few days, kind of thing. Desert Sessions get together, make something uh, in a few days. That's what I wanted to do with Hippie Satan. I had access to a, a really nice studio with a friend of mine, and so. It was kind of after the flu, I had nothing to do, so I just called up a bunch of different drummers that had been in the flu or whatever. Actually, Byron from Invasives uh, was the final guy to do this with me. Um, no and, shit. Yeah, and we just, uh, we would go into the studio and give ourselves like eight hours to come up with five songs. I would play the bass or a baritone guitar, and it was very like kind of rip-off of Death From Above type music, but, but um that was great that was a lesson in like actually the thing that was cool about hippie satan which honestly i don't think anyone's we played one show at a record store and uh we were so fucking loud the records were falling off the walls (laughs) i remember the the literally sounds fake but it really happened i remember the the owner came up to me and he was like he kept asking me if i could turn it down and then uh after a while he's like actually this is just cool just go ahead whatever fucking nice so yeah it was kind of sweet um and uh, it was also the first time I ever experimented with uh, wearing all white on stage, which comes up later, mm. uh, weirdly enough. But um, that was a lesson in like, taking risks and doing something that's kind of scary. Uh, you have this big room and this great producer and stuff making making your music and you just have no- you just We didn't even rehearse, we just went in with nothing. And, um, and actually before one of the, I- I'm a big fan of Jack White. And I love how he, he kind of has this like, he seems to have this philosophy where the more danger there is, uh, the better for music and the more like weird things that can go wrong. I've heard he like notoriously never writes set lists. He'll just sort of call songs out or change it last minute. Likes to keep everything kind of, he wants to, that nervous energy. And so that's what the point of that was. And at one point I actually remember I cut a string right before we started recording. I had this nagging feeling like you should do something stupid. So I I cut one of the strings so that I couldn't access the D string anymore. It was stupid. But what it did was like it, I started making these riffs that I never would have thought of. Um, So that was a cool little lesson. Um, Rabbit Hole was, was another project I did, which that was basically me trying to figure out if I could produce myself. And, uh, I've always used Ableton, but I was never like particularly great until that project. I started to really dig in and like the album I put out under that name is it's okay. It's uh it you can tell it's my first try, but it definitely like it gave me the confidence like you know what? I don't think I actually need to, you know, go to a big studio. Um I think I can just do this in my apartment. So, that was awesome. And now Holy Felix is like God, I don't know what the lesson will be. I'm afraid of what it'll be. <laughs> my, I don't know what the regret's going to be yet,
0: but I'm sure it's coming. Speaking of which, with Rabbit Hole being you know, more on the chill, like psych, pop end of things, and Holy Felix being a very different beast altogether, what prompted this dramatic change in style? Well, I think Rabbit
1: Hole was just at a time in my life where I was just very, well, to be honest, pretty depressed. And I didn't have the energy that I had when I was younger, making this crazy, bombastic punk music. I'm sure every punk that hears this is going to say that was not punk, but it felt like <laughs> it to me. Um, but um, I guess I just kind of, I was just writing what I was feeling, and I was feeling very sad. It's a very, you know, what it's heavily inspired by is. Um, The Beck album uh, sea change heard that yeah (laughs) yeah something about that record like it just set me on this like man you can you can express that feeling in that way and still have it be kind of weird and quirky like he is yeah I love that album me too yeah do do you remember when you first heard I still remember I was when I heard it like it really hit me hard
0: yeah I heard it in college yeah I probably wasn't doing too well at the time, so maybe not the best time to listen to that album. No, but. I think that is the best, <laughs> don't you? Like, I think that's oh, yeah. why it works. Yeah,
1: mine was definitely Sea Change. I, I've gone back and heard those other two uh, now, but but yeah, it hit me at a really really good time, and uh, it's just a lesson in like, don't force, don't 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 force a a sound or a character. Just just write what you're feeling, um, and evidently after. After Rabbit Hole was kind of fizzled out, I was nearing the end of my 20s and I just had this feeling like it was kind of all over. <laughs> I thought I was going to be dead at 27, you know. That's kind of like, it's a horrible thing to think, but I imagine a lot of young musicians sort of just, you want to put yourself on, in that list, you know, <clears throat> but I didn't die. Uh, and then I just started to get Unless I'm
0: speaking with a ghost
1: right now. You might be. Woo. That would be cool. Breaking. I uh I think I just started to get really angry. Um I've always been a bit of an angry person. Not uh not at people. I'm not I don't fight. I don't yell at anyone. It's just I just have this kind of burning feeling like it's not I want something more. And uh, I so I had to express it and it's actually um, it's funny because the first thing I ever did that ended up being the like the seed that led to this was this horrible, horrible demo. There's one day I remember I, I came home, I think I was unemployed and running out of money. Uh I, and I think it was I was like a month away from like having to move back in with my parents if I couldn't get money. Shit. It was a really freaky time. Yeah. And uh I I just was so fed up with life and I, I like hit record and I just started like pulling on the strings of the guitar and like just fighting it like physically uh and just Im- like ad libbing bullshit. I was just like basically just snarling into the microphone, just just nonsense. Um and the song's called Halfway There. Uh and the chorus is just me singing, I can't only be halfway there by now. Like how the fuck am I only halfway there? Which I felt like I was, um, in music. And uh one day my friend was was over and he's a musician adam wilson from a band called trust this mechanism which is really great um he was over and we were having what i called a cringe off which is like let's go through our old stuff let's show each other old demos and videos let's see if how like let's have a competition who can out cringe the other person and i put that song on because i thought it was horrible i was like this is going to be embarrassing um but he just like instantly, I remember he looked at me and he was like, this sounds like the most you thing I've ever heard. Like, And he's he's heard everything I've ever made. Um, and I was just kind of in disbelief. I'm like, you're insane. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, he decided to just send it to uh, the producer he had worked with, Ben Kaplan. And then he reached out to me. Ben was like, this is awesome. What is this? Let's turn this into something. And I don't know, it was really a surprising Moment, And so like, I guess the thing that changed from Rabbit Hole to Holy Felix was I, I, I felt this kind of rage that was really nice to get out and people were responding to it. And I feel that way kind of about like albums like Sea Change. When you're in that place and you feel like so alone in your emotions or whatever, and you hear that music, it just makes you feel like, God, somebody else has felt this way. It's okay yeah. to be angry or sad or whatever it is. And uh so that was that for me. It was um it was like, you know what, it's okay to be mad. And I am kind of mad. Uh again, not at anyone or anything. It's just, you know, some people have that in them. And so yeah, I, I started to express it and and I, I, I like the idea that somewhere out there some angry kid is gonna hear my shit and maybe feel a little less alone, you know?
0: Did um especially the anger in terms of developing this persona, was that amplified in a few different ways because of having to deal with the pandemic? It's funny. It kind of
1: was actually. I mean, the pandemic, this is going to sound awful, but the pandemic actually kind of saved my ass. Not the pandemic itself, but the Serb check. Mm. Remember how I told you I was running out of rent money? Yeah. That came in that month. Oh, there you go. It's one of those things that's like, okay, I'm feeling very like lucky right now. Uh, which is horrible to say because people died. But for me, it was, it was very fortunate. And um, yeah, it, it was basically around that time, but I think it was less about COVID and more about uh, just getting to that age where you feel like you don't matter in, in music anymore uh, and being just frustrated. Like, how the hell, after all I've done, how did I never, how did it not catch on? It's a lot of work. I was just I, I played music for so long, just like kind of seemingly unnoticed, you know. but looking back, it's like I don't know i'm I'm really happy with the way things are. I like this this story of mine, even though it's maybe taking a bit longer than I wanted.
0: Well, and just the like the serendipitous like happenstance of that demo, yeah, I mean, that's really cool. yeah. Yeah, and you know what's funny about it is that Ben Kaplan, so I, he
1: wanted to work with me then, but I couldn't afford it. Um, so I kept him on the back burner, and I think like two years later or something, um, I had interest from 604 Records, and he heard about it, and he reached out to them and said, I want to work on his shit. So he ended up producing it in the end. Nice. Half the record anyway, but it was like, it was this awesome sort of... All thanks to I often thank my buddy Adam. He 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 really pushed me. And sometimes you just need you just need somebody to hear the thing that you're like embarrassed about or that you think is too personal. You know, you're it's a vulnerable kind mm-hmm. of a, a song. Um and yeah, I find that the more uncomfortable you are with your creation, it seems like it seems like the more people are interested.
0: Yeah artists are their own worst critics mm-hmm. and i think it's you know because there's so much intimacy involved in the act of creation that when you put it out there and if you notice anything that's imperfect about it you're like oh now this is trash even there's no such thing as perfect art
1: yeah yeah and we're uh we get in our own way it's something i talk about every day um i have a, a couple of musicians around town that we we kind of just talk just about every day keep each other moving and uh one of the topics that comes up a lot is man just get out of your own way like there's all these narratives we tell ourselves about how things should go or what kind of musician we should be but at the end of the day it's like man just if you're not expressing yourself and having a good time doing it then it's like there is no pre-written story you have to make your own Mm -hmm. and you have to enjoy it you know that's that's another big lesson i had from this uh this last experience was like come on man if you're not enjoying this process
0: then why don't you just do something else Exactly. I mean that's really the only I mean why people should be involved in music is because they enjoy doing it.
1: But I feel like a lot of people that isn't the case um or at least they enjoy some parts of yeah. it. Yeah. I feel we, another thing we've been talking about a lot is um having a band full of guys that love being in a band. Yeah. But don't necessarily like working Mm, on a band. That's the, yeah. And that happens a lot. And, Uh um, Holy Felix is the first time I ever decided to not have bandmates. And this isn't me calling out my former bandmates who I love to death. Shout out to Xander and Oz. Um, but, uh, It was the first time it was like, you know what, let's just do this by myself, because then it's my responsibility. I know I can do, I know I can do the work, and I love it. At the end of the day, it's what I love.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the onus is on you to do all the work that's required uh, beyond just writing and recording your music and playing shows as you know oh god
1: yeah and 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 often for nothing like <laughs> there's no payoff and if anything you actually lose money yep um you you lose friends you lose jobs it's insane the sacrifice that this fucking lifestyle is it just seems insane to everyone around you i think the whole time and it is it is insane but if 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 i could stop i would you know I tried i couldn't i couldn't stay
0: away i've been in gigging bands since uh, almost 10 years now like every time a project's ended i'd be like okay what's next okay yeah. who, who needs a bassist <laughs> how would you describe the holy felix persona i like to
1: describe it as this priest but not of any particular religion Kind of like a, this is gonna sound so stupid, but like a priest that worships the end of the world, mm. and uh, it's it's basically like the guy on the street with the end is nigh sign, but in like a robe, and and with an album. <laughs> so, so to me, it's like it's it's I get to express all the worst thoughts that I have, uh, and through the character of a lens, so that people can be like, oh, he doesn't really mean any of that, and most of it I don't. But it comes from a real place. So the persona is, is just this, it's, it's my shadow self. It's the worst, it's all of my worst thoughts. Um, but God, it feels good to get those out, you know? And Even if they're ridiculous. Like I have a song coming out uh, eventually called Burn. And it is just, it's just that feeling that, that first song I made where I was, um, you know, crushing the guitar strings and snarling into the mic Burn is the next uh, evolution of that. It's that same thing. It's like, it's like I don't want to just be alone with this sh- feeling. I want to like get it out of me, exercise this anger out so that somebody else can use it. Um, so the persona is, is that. It's, it's, it's the priest
0: beckoning on the apocalypse. I was going to say, because I've had a chance to listen to the record before, with like a preview of it, yeah, burn definitely probably the, the angriest of the songs that that are on there. So, what was your gut reaction? And I don't want
1: to hear you. Like, I really do want to know. Don't 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 lie. What was your gut reaction to burn to your vocals? Were you like, this is the fucking weirdest? Uh, what what was it like? Because no one's ever heard any of these songs, oh, okay. so I'm always like, what are people going to think of this weird shit?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the the aesthetic and the vibe that you're going for, and I love how like definitely heavier the material is than the singles you've dropped so far definitely reminds me of you know 9-inch nails is a big one here's some queens of the stone age on there i'm not sure if you're familiar with the band code orange at all but heard a little bit of code orange in there as well yeah yeah i have one of their tunes on my spotify yeah they they put out a industrial metal album called underneath i want to say i think that's what it was called like it's like their fourth album but heard a bit of that as well so definitely industrial heft to a lot
1: of it. Yeah, cool. Uh it's it's a fun one to do live. It's ridiculous. The song is ridiculous. It's a bit of a novelty song to be honest, but uh but it's it's just having fun, I don't know. I enjoy it.
0: Good track sequencing too. You want to have like the heaviest song on the on the end. Speaking of which, I actually uh I sequence
1: the songs based on the key that they're in. Mm. Uh, I do the show like that too actually. Where <laughs> it just the, the further you go, the lower mm. the key gets. <laughs> Uh, Until you get to burn, which is in drop B, if anybody ever wants to (laughs) to play it. You have to
0: pick very gently. Otherwise, the string will just make a (laughs) little little sound. (laughs) So uh, this is just something I observed with the Holy Felix character. Uh, While I haven't been a practicing Christian for a long time, I definitely retain an appreciation for the mythology and symbolism of the religion. Pretty inescapable in North American culture. How does religious iconography play into the Holy Felix brand? Yeah, might be reading too much into it, but that's what I do.
1: No, it's it's something that I'm like expecting to have to answer for. Um, essentially, like if I had to break down the whole religious thing, first of all, there's no there's no angle. I'm not pro or anti any religion. Um, I'm just like a student of all of it, and more than the religions, the followers. Um, it's like all of what I consume uh, in my, you know, YouTube video essay, whatever, you know, cue. Uh, I really, I'm just interested in why people are so religious. Uh, when I grew up, there's a family member of mine who was, like, oppressively Christian. To a point where it was, like, very damaging Ugh. to uh, this person's offspring. And uh, it was, it's just, I, I feel like I kind of got the secondhand uh, backlash from that in a way. My parents, they're not particularly religious, but watching just the pain it can cause, um, there's something really freeing to me about sort of playfully mocking it. Because uh, I think it needs to be a little bit. And, and it's an easy target. I mean, Christianity is like, in Catholicism, It's it, a lot of people really don't like those. Uh, and rightfully so, for some reasons, you know. But, but for me, it's like everything I ever wrote from the flu, hippie Satan, obviously, has something to do with God. I can't seem to write it about anything else. Um, And no particular religion's God, just the concept in general. And, you know, I have my own beliefs about what that might mean, as does everyone, I'm sure. But the religious angle is just, it felt really true to me, because it's something I grew up around. Uh, I mean, I had to go to church a ton, and I assume you did as well.
0: I did, yeah. How was your church
1: experience?
0: You know, I will say Protestant non-denominational. My parents are not particularly religious, so, you know, at a certain point, I think it kind of dissipated when myself and my siblings wound up, like, going to college and stuff like that, and I think they just outright stopped going to church altogether, so none of that, again, thankfully, none of the, like, you know, hyper-religious, like, oppressive tendencies or anything like that in the home. I even went to youth group out of choice in high school, but for me, it was, like... Yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> I uh for f- what turned me away from it was just uh a you know, when you recognize like because I'm a history history major from like UBC, when you when you dig enough into the the extent of human history and you just like you're exposed to like the sheer volume of just suffering throughout time, the the idea of a om- omniscient loving creator in the Abrahamic tradition Existing just seems like, yeah, that seems like a placebo. <laughs> Certainly not me. loving. Yeah. But I will say, um, is I'm not, uh, I'm not anti spiritualism. I think spiritualism is really beautiful and grounding. My challenge has to do with the power structures that are religion and how they unfortunately can be easily, uh, used to just hurt a lot of people. Yeah, man. I couldn't agree more. I think like,
1: I think the symbolism, the metaphors, the stories, the Bible is like one of the most interesting books ever. It's the most influential book on the planet. There's critically. a reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I like reading the stories and hearing and, and like researching what it all is and why it's lasted so long. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, I'm just, I remember being in church when I was like 12 or something. I actually, it was the same year, I, that, that guy I mentioned, the goth dude from the pizza place I worked at. He showed me the movie Zeitgeist. Did you ever see that? Zeitgeist. It was a documentary uh ahead of its time kind of a very conspiratory like um here's what's wrong with the world. Here's mm. how the bank works. Oh. <laughs> here's what uh the basis of all the religions are. Um and then there was a third thing. I'm I'm sure it's it's a bunch of crazy shit now if I revisited <laughs> it, but it did get get me started on this sort of like Well, for one, looking at the fact that just about every religion in history seems to have common threads, Mm -hmm. including the the deity or whoever, the Christ figure, oftentimes has like the same name or like close to the same name from religions that you know, existed in different parts of the map in different eras. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it just got me thinking like, well, there's no way that's the correct story. If, if it goes back that far and we're still using the same terminology, the guy in the movie, he, he's explaining how the, the story from Christianity and just about every other religion is based on the uh, astronomy. It's based on the rising of the sun on Easter. And there's all these like days that do line up with like astronomical <laughs> events yeah. uh, and and words that line up with the sun being like the son of God and all this. And I don't know if there's any credence to any of that, but um, it, it, it made me just start questioning things. And uh, so that day that I was in church, 12 years old or some shit um sitting in a pew i remember they would they would play those songs and i just remember listening to this music that was so almost cult like in a way and it, by the way i love church bands i feel like they yeba is is actually a she grew up singing in a church i oh, think cool. they generate some of the best musicians ever it's like such a great oh, well, safe place for I mean, that
0: you want to talk like just gospel some of the best singers to yeah,
1: just <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I think, and it, it's a positive thing to have that in a church. But I always found that the music just had this creepy quality to it, where it's like, they, it's almost like they're repeating these mantras, you know, praise be holy, thy name hallowed, whatever. And it just, it almost feels like a bunch of people trying to convince themselves that there's something going on. Like as opposed to really just feeling it because music manipulates, you know, it's like it, it changes your mood entirely. Mm-hmm. So if you have this song playing and, and I just remember looking around and people were like clutching their chests and just, you know, falling over and standing up and just had
0: this something was happening, was not happening to me. Uh, you know, I remember... I also, because I even went on youth retreats, and there was, like, usually on the second night, they'd have this, like, profound thing where a bunch of kids would be like, yeah, I accept Jesus into my heart, and that that the bell did not ring in my head. it was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that's a lonely feeling. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're doing something wrong. Did you get that? I felt like I didn't belong there. It was like, why the hell don't I feel this? Yeah, and, I mean, to, to the credit of the youth pastors, like, I was never... I, they didn't make me feel shame or guilt for not not you know feeling that way, but it was certainly like hmm <laughs> yeah why why is this not clicking
1: yeah, and uh just to be clear i like like with your use pastor, I had a lot of great ex- people and experiences, and even the person I mentioned earlier, the family member um they're not all bad there's there's plenty of good there, but the thing that I found. Later in life, I've come to realize this. I feel like, despite all of its great qualities, Christianity, the only one I really know much about... Yeah, same here. ...seems to kind of prey on the vulnerable in that people who really need some sort of meaning are in a vulnerable state in those moments, and you get them in a group, and you have music playing and somebody shouting in front of you, and there's that thing happens Mm -hmm. to crowds of people. Um, I believe that there is some kind of God, whatever that means. I don't think it's a dude in a robe, obviously, but um, I don't think it has anything to do with singing those songs in that room. I think that's something else. And maybe it's really positive. Some of those people do need that shit, and I'm not above them. Um, Like I said, I'm not mocking religion. Um, I'd like it to, in my music, to always be very intentionally questioning. Um, I I don't have any sort of answer or position. I think anyone who says they know God is lying. You can have your own version, but to spread the word of how to
0: connect with God, I just don't believe in that. By contrast, I find that there's a... you come from a place of some pretty serious arrogance to say that you're a hardcore atheist, because like, yeah, can you? But you can't, you can't disprove fully either. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Don't I... get me wrong. I'm I'm pro science. I'm dating a, a, a med student right now who's going to be a doctor. Like, science should guide the advancement of humankind, of course. But you know, like that intangible. If if I can go on a thread here, that like. God being the intangible energy that unites the human spirit across uh, all of time, for example, yeah, you can't say that that doesn't exist conclusively.
1: Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there is there is nothing more annoying than an atheist. <laughs> like, <I laughs> no, feel honestly, like some of my old uh, my old drummer from the flu, he's a Catholic Oz uh, guy that I loved to death and. We had some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had in my life. We still do. And it's all about God. And the funniest part is we always end up kind of going, well, we're saying the same thing, aren't we? Like, your language may go through the Catholic filter, but I, we're feeling the same feelings. I feel connected to whatever you're talking about as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, do you know Pete Holmes, the, the comedian?
0: Uh, oh, not familiar, but I'm always looking for new comedians. Well,
1: he's great. Uh, he's, he's like a former, like childhood Christian who has now become sort of a Ram Dass, Eckhart Tolle type uh, ah. person. It, he discovered really, psychedelics. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and it's really great the way he talks about it because he really shines a nice positive light on not only Christianity, but people, Christians themselves and, and how they're you know, these, are, these aren't bad people. They're
0: oftentimes misguided, I think. God bless, no offense to people out there. You have developed an excellent logo for the Holy Felix Project. <laughs> In fact, you're wearing it right now around your neck. It's a crucifix with an F that's so subtle. It's perfect. I can already see it on shirts and hats. Um, what are some of your favorite band logos, and were there any that you drew inspiration from?
1: Wow, dude, that's such a cool question. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, no well, dude, like the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, that's fucking brilliant. It makes perfect sense, right? Absolutely. It was a funny thing, too. I remember where I was when it hit me. It was just like, oh, that's obviously what it has to be. It's like there's no other. I drew it on my phone. I still have that drawing. It's <laughs> funny. <to me. laughs> nice. Um, the best logos ever. I think right off the bat, it's got to be Black Flag. Um, one of the best ones. That one's great. There's something about just that. Simplicity. There's a whole video about the guy who made that logo. There's like oh, an cool. artist who like intentionally made it the way it is. Um, Black flags logo is kick ass. Um, let me think. Nine inch nails is a good one. Perfect. I love symmetry. That's the only thing that bugs me about my logo. It's, it's not <laughs> symmetrical.
0: Um, give me some of yours. I can't. I'm um, drawing a blank. Let's see. It's not really a logo. It's more of a typeset, but Nirvana has a good one. Um, let's see. I like the Deftones logo because like, the script, again, it's like I'm cheating a little bit because it's more typeset than an image. But, it's just a font. Yeah, There's yeah.
1: The, the iconography, like you mentioned, like Misfits, obviously, is one of the most like ubiquitous. It, you just instantly recognize the band from just that face, the mm-hmm. skull. Uh, there's something powerful about that, and that's what inspired me to do the... The, the the Cross logo because it was like at some point in my career I'd like to just not even have to spell it yeah you know you can just see the logo and your brain fills in the do gap do that Prince thing
0: another great logo exactly yeah. yeah that's
1: a really good pull man that's gonna bug me I wanna I wanna think more on that if, if, if something will pop in my head okay. I'll just say it
0: <laughs> yeah just interrupt one of my other questions with the random thought <laughs> yeah. so and I alluded a little bit to this earlier but in 2022 you dropped three singles that are definitely more like classic rock Leaning, even though your most recent release, Everybody's Pain, sounds like Nine Inch Nails playing funk <laughs> to me. From what I've heard of your upcoming debut record titled Seven, sounds definitely harder and meaner. With these singles, were you trying to lull fans into a false sense of security, somewhat? Or I'm probably reaching a bit, but I no, your take not. on it's
1: it. Funny, I like it. Um, I think I was scared to commit. I think, um, I think those songs are fun. I was having fun. Um, I produced them myself. Uh, a friend of mine, Matt Roach, uh, helped me make them sound good. I, he kind of took my files and made them sound good. Um, but I love funk and blues. My first band was called The Flu. It was supposed to be a, the words funk and blues mashed together. Um. So that's kind of like, it's a genuine love of mine. I was listening
0: to a shit ton of Stevie Wonder at that time.
1: Nice. Um, So I think it just kind of
0: forced its way into the music. I mean, Songs in the Key of Life is one of the greatest things ever recorded by any human. I agree. And that was the exact record I just had on repeat.
1: Um, There's some good shit on there. The song As. Ooh, I was thinking of the Duke. Yeah. The one? Sir Duke, yeah. yeah, Sir Duke, holy shit, oh, God damn, yeah, yeah, <laughs> as every time as comes on, I'm just floored by it, um, it has this movement like the the second half of the song just becomes so psychotic, I love it, um uh, but yeah those those songs definitely are uh, slightly misleading now, especially everybody's pain, but it I put a lot of love into them, and I, I you know, I don't i I think it's it's a bit of an origin story they're they're old demos at this point. And anyone who loves those is probably going to be a little bit confused as to where this thing is headed.
0: I will say, Noble Son, who we had on the show recently, kind of tipped me off. Uh, he was the one who he was one of a few artists that actually recommended uh, we have you on the show. And he even said, it's like, "Oh, I've listened to the album. And It's like it's so mean and it's angry." I'm like, "Ooh, okay."
1: <laughs> yeah, I I listened to some of that interview. I love I love Adam to death. Yeah, Adam's and, great. It was honestly the sweetest thing hearing him and and a few other people um mentioned me honestly it was really touching so shout out to them
0: cuz that's it means a lot speaking of just people in the scene you've worked with some really talented individuals uh the Vancouver music ecosystem who did you collaborate with on this record and how did they help elevate the material yeah awesome um
1: so As I mentioned, the demo got the attention of Ben Kaplan, who then kind of reached out. But in between that time, I got in front of 604 Records, and uh, I was kind of in the transition of of walking away from the everybody's pain thing and just into what I really want to do. At the end of the day, I want to make music that's moshable. It's just what makes me happy. So uh, I got the attention of 604 and uh, specifically Mike, who uh, is signed, he's in the band Hotel Mira. He, uh, he was interested in what I was doing. We met up, and then he was like, let's make a, let's make a demo together. So he brought me to Kevy, the singer from Fake Shark, um, and then the three of us kind of crafted this thing. They took my demos, and we punched them up. We went and you know, re-recorded the drums and just made them sound better. So those two guys and me were uh, sort of the main force behind the whole thing. Uh, But then at the final stages, I also got to work with Ryan Worsley from Echo Plant. Uh, We did a little co-write together, which will be the first uh, release, a song called Cellophane, um, which was really awesome. Um, That was a cool experience. He's a great guy. And obviously Ben Kaplan, who I just think is like kind of the backbone of the current state of rock in Vancouver. Like a lot of my friends are going to him. There's a ton of music that is going to be out soon that he produced that I just, I think it just represents a lot of us really well. He's just, he's doing something really powerful, I think. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was the team. There was also Spencer who engineered. Um, Eric from Bad Magic was uh, in the, in the studio the whole time helping. And Ryan Morey was the mastering guy. So it was a wicked team. And yeah, I couldn't be more boosted by those guys. I honestly wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened without them at all. I would still be making Everybody's Pain songs.
0: Well, and I will say, that Everybody's Pain, you have uh, Leo Johnson on that. That's correct. Yeah.
1: How could I forget?
0: Can't forget Leo. Leo, yeah. Um, and I, I think I saw that you were working with uh, Kirby Fisher. Kirby, well. Kirby was, uh, yeah, he kind of, the timing
1: didn't work out quite right, but he, he was slated to to drum. It ended up being Cole from Hotel Mira who, mm. who drummed, uh, who is a assassin. It was honestly like a masterclass. I've never, yeah, that was a really crazy to watch, but uh, Kirby was. Obviously from War Baby, who yeah. you interviewed, unfortunately, right before they <laughs> broke it, up. It,
0: thanks for the reminder. Yeah, I remember it was, yeah, it was, uh, and we even talked on the, it was really unfortunate timing. They had him first time on the show. They were promoting their, like, third album release show that was going to happen in late March and then <laughs> and then who knows something happened <laughs> something happened something happened in 2020 I, which sucks not sure what it was
1: <laughs> I genuinely because there's two bands in Vancouver that completely changed my life when I got here uh 2013 or something um first show I went to was at the Commodore which I'd never been to the Commodore and it was like mind blowing uh, just the room itself because I'm from you know West Kelowna tiny little town um and it was Eagles of Death Metal, which at the time was my favorite band, and War Baby was opening for them. I remember they played that. It, Didn't get to see it, but... Man, yeah. it was so good that for the next like ye- couple years, we just followed them. We went to every show... And then they put out a vinyl that had, like, that board game on it uh, with a video component. Oh, yeah, Death Sweats, yeah. Death Sweats. They made such an interesting thing, and I uh, love... Like, they were heroes to me. The other band is Invasives, um, who I luckily got to do some stuff with as well. we are also still active, thankfully. Love Invasives so much. I just think they're one of the best Vancouver bands of all time. Yeah. so then, yeah, Kirby is a friend of Kevvy's um, and he started poking around the studio and uh, God, it, I was so excited. We're going to do something eventually. We still talk all the time, but uh, it was like, it just felt like this is, it's like getting fucking Dave Grohl to drum on your album that, to me. Like, it oh, just yeah. felt so
0: huge. Kirby's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. And he's like the funniest dude I've ever met. Yeah. I hope he, um, I'm sure he's working on something. I, I just, I'd love to see him play live again. Same. It'll happen soon, I think. What is your approach to lyricism with Holy Felix? I can tell, you know, you take a personal angle with this project and Rabbit Hole, though there's obviously some differences to your methodology. Yeah, I mean,
1: my whole life lyrics have always just been kind of a stream of consciousness situation. Um... I usually end, uh, like songs often start for me with just a bunch of grunts and snarls and then they somehow they form slowly into words and then a lot of times I'll be listening to a finished song and go, oh, that's what I meant about, <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't know where some of this shit comes from. That's to me the most magic sort of part of the whole thing is is that weird space that... I'm lucky enough to get to go to where where time, just you just black out and then you sort of come to and you have this finished song. Uh, I wish I could like give a, a, a cooler answer, but the lyrics seem to just, it's like sifting a bunch of mud and sand and after a while, words just form. Uh, and I hate to get too like woo-woo on you, but it often feels like I'm just, repeating some shit that i'm hearing Mm. that's what it feels like and of course my whole life i've written and you know made poetry or whatever but so i I love wordplay one of my favorite things and i always like hope people will catch my little uh little quips i like to do there's little things that i throw in i think most of the words come from this like this unlimited muse thing that just like shines through but uh, i like to throw in um little little easter eggs and one of my favorite things to do is see how long of a syllabled word i can fit in a line like i I find that in a lot of
0: pop music they don't use like four or five syllable words no well because you know they have to it's almost like they have a rhyming dictionary that they have to keep to as well yeah
1: which i you know uh, to my own detriment probably i avoid those cliches as much as possible but um But I like I like the challenge of like how do I fit (laughs) this five syllable word into this line? It's something fun about it. I remember hearing Eminem talk about that, how like. He's talking about how orange has a hundred things that rhyme with it. If you just change the way you say things and put two one-syllable words together, yeah,
0: okay, I think he has a video of that. It's great. Around, yeah,
1: there's something so fun about the puzzle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the lyrics for me are uh, they're coming from a real place, and I and I I stand by them, and and I feel like they are really personal. But there's also this element of like, how do I solve this? There's this fun moment I always find where you have. The lyrics written, but there's like three or four blank. I always put little underlined blank parts and I'm like, okay, it's that. You need this to go, you know, A, B, A, B, but there's also this C rhyme here and this D that happens only three times in the song or whatever. And there's just something really fun about that. It's, uh, it, it's a little like puzzle Easter egg that I, I I hope someone someday will pick up on.
0: Oh, that's cool. That sounds like uh, you into... Any underground hip hop guys like MF Doom and guys like that? Absolutely. Okay, yeah.
1: Abso fucking Lully, man. That's another thing that's kind of surprising to some people when I tell them, which is like the biggest inspiration on Holy Felix is hip hop. I don't know how how that's possible, but I it's most of what I listen to. Um and I feel like there's that that backbone of the breakbeat, you know, the '70s like funk drummer beat. Mm-hmm. That just uh, it kind of informs most of the shit that I make. Just about every song
0: I write starts with one of those. Yeah, and if you want to talk wordplay, that's like that's just I I if I can sound pretentious for a second, I'm I I sometimes feel that like you know. Hip hop's like the only thing that's keeping modern poetry alive. <laughs> like, Who's the best poet in hip hop right now, do you think? Oh, um, there's like obvious answers.
1: I feel like. like Kendrick, um, I'm trying to think of someone maybe a little
0: more straight. I think Danny Brown is really good. Danny Brown is awesome. I love Danny Brown. Do you listen to not ASAP Rocky, ASAP Rock? Aesop Rock, the New York guy. The New York the guy. The white dude. The white dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. He was um he
1: oh he was in a cool scene with a couple other rappers that uh, Yeah, he um, used to hang out with like LP and LP, uh, right. Cannibal Ox and guys like that. Right, yeah. yes. No, he's he's very interesting. And and I think he, he must take a lot from Doom because they have oh, that yeah. it's almost like non sequitur kind of the interesting thing about Doom I find is that it it sounds like a bunch of nonsense to me, but you read it and you're like, "Holy shit, this is genius!" <laughs> exactly. It's like, wait, that actually makes sense as a sentence. Like,
0: but I not only that, but the but the internal rhyme scheme is just so calculated. I'm just sure you've seen that video. I think yeah. Genius put it out. Yeah, Genius. And you for just... the
1: listener, they color code the <laughs> rhymes, and you're like, "Holy shit!" There's 45 <laughs> different fucking rhymes going on. Yeah, Doom is amazing. Uh, my. Some my, my favorite uh rap currently is, is I Can't Help It, but it's just Run the Jewels, man. I, oh, yeah. I just think they're just so incredible. Um, And it feels like a bit of a kind of lame answer, but
0: I, I love them. They're big for a reason. Yeah, they kick yeah. ass. I was trying to think. I mean, he's not really, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a poet. I hope he doesn't come at me for this, but I do like Freddie Gibbs. I don't know. I, heard, I don't know the name, but I, I don't oh, know okay. the music. Yeah, he's um. Let's see, how would I describe him? He's all—he's more in the in the gangster rap vein of things, but he's just got so much swagger to what he does. Hell yeah, yeah. He has an album called The Alfredo, and it's like a, it's a riff on the the Mario Puzo Godfather logo. Okay, but it's the 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 hand clutching the um puppet strings over a, a bowl of Alfredo. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I'd recommend that album.
1: You know who's surprisingly incredible with words is uh, Lil Dicky.
0: I'm not familiar with Lil Dicky. He's I've heard be- of
1: some of the other Lils, but he's like kind Lils. of a comedy. He had a show on oh, FX recently. You know the no, guy. No, no,
0: I know, I know Lil Dicky. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's like secretly amazing. If you, if like he did this one, uh, this uh, freestyle on Sway in the morning. Have you seen that video? Oh no, I haven't. It's like I hate to say it, but it might be my favorite I've ever seen. He oh, just damn. he just nails it. It's it's it,
0: his wordplay is is insane. Yeah, he's he's like top of the list. Yeah, the Griselda guys are good too. I'm now I'm just thinking of contemporary hip hop guys I like.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. I, yeah. I'm uh, I feel like it's it's a huge influence, though. I might not be the best historian of it. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm just an admirer.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm the same. I like I know I know where I come from in terms of my depth of knowledge. Although, uh, and I think it's been discontinued. Unfortunately, there is actually a good. Uh, documentary series on netflix called hip-hop evolution yep yep. i went through that one yeah Yeah, it was really great i hope they make more i know got interrupted by the pandemic but Mm -hmm. there's still plenty to talk about they didn't even get to like kendrick or odd future i'm like you still have this whole thing how could i forget odd future that was
1: uh not only an inspiration in music but also just like approach Mm -hmm. i saw um do you ever go to any of the pemberton festivals uh yeah i went to one 2014 uh was it 2014 it had odd future at the one i went oh to. okay yeah i wasn't at that one or maybe it was just Tyler, but the whole gang showed up, and oh, it was sick. like it
0: was like you had all
1: these stages, and Soundgarden was there, which was fucking. Oh yeah, crazy. I missed that one. They I, played I did, super unknown front to back.
0: I did get to see Soundgarden, thankfully. Oh, good. only once, but mind blowing. <laughs> one of my bucket list bands. Oh yeah. Um,
1: but uh, Odd Future brought their whole gang, and they 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 set up this little you this little like uh, gated skate park. And they had like a big, one of those big steel boxes with a merch booth in it. People were buying merch and watching them skate. (laughs) There was a bigger crowd around that than some of the stages. And they just have this fucking, it's like they just bring the party. And I went and saw Tyler on his stage. It was like kind of the middle of the day. It wasn't even a great set. But it was like, of all the like punk and metal shows I've ever been to, it might have been the craziest mosh I've ever seen. Because it just, he just had this vibe yeah. and uh and I just admire the DIYness of it all. It's so like fuck all the whole industry. I'm just going hard in one direction and we're just gonna go
0: all the way. If you want to talk another <laughs> lightning bolt moment song. Uh I you know I went to went to college and you know, you hear hip hop and stuff like that at parties and and what have you, but I was still very much like, Well, I'm a rock and metal guy. That's just who I am. Uh and then Post grad, like I think one of my buddies just randomly showed me Yonkers the video by Tyler the Creator, and I watched that, and I was like, "Yo, what?" Because <laughs> it was like it was, it, it sounds really stupid and obvious, but it was just like, "Yo, what?" Like hip hop can be as, as violent and fucked up as metal. Hell yeah, I'm all for this. But there's a lot more to Tyler's character than just that, of course. And if I'm being honest, I'm not really a huge fan of that album. I like his later stuff, but um, yeah. So like another all enough Tyler is another one of those like fulcrum points for myself as a as a music fan. Same. He always brought the same. For some reason I always connect him with
1: uh Ty Siegel from LA. I don't know why. Yeah. They just in my head for some reason those two both did it. they like created a scene and they like they were in a bunch of groups. They had a, they had just a Atmosphere around them And like a mystery mm-hmm. uh, and, and a really nailed down aesthetic Oh yeah You know it's just like you know what you're gonna get with them uh, And I just it's, it's such a north star for me Like the closer I can get to that
0: The better And I appreciate that Tyler's uh, Also he's gone through a very Fascinating evolution as an artist as well He isn't just doing the same Prankster shit of his first couple albums.
1: And that dude takes huge risks oh, yeah. musically. Like to the point where I hear some of it and I'm like, this is like too abstract for me. <laughs>
0: Although some of the some of the stuff that people are like, oh, this is noisy garbage. I listen to, it. I'm like, I actually kind of like this song. Oh, fucking nuts! Yeah. Right. Like, people. I'm gonna name drop this specifically because I you know some people fucking hate this song, but I love the song Cherry Bomb because it's just, oh yeah, it's just noise for the first half of it, and that actually gets kind of cool with like the breakbeat at the end. But like the first part is just like just garbage wall of sound, and like this is great because he's kind of. Trying to piss you off. <laughs> yeah, I mean in the same vein as Danny
1: Brown in a way, right? Like his records are challenging to get through. It's wall
0: of sound rap, you oh, know. I mean but, by like atrocity exhibition is Brilliant. Yeah. That album's so good. Yeah.
1: And I usually only end up with a couple of the songs in my rotation, you know? Yeah. But uh, but the albums are just an experience, and it's like, God, I'm just glad there's people out there still making crazy shit like that.
0: And Well, Danny Brown also, uh, if you're looking for something from this year, it'd be worth checking out. Uh, he did an album with uh, JPEG Mafia. Right. Uh, I heard the first the single. And yeah. It was gnarly. It yeah. was like, I don't even know what to call it. It was like hyper techno techno. It's weird, yeah, but it's worth a listen because you're like, you will not hear anything like it. Which, isn't that what we need? That's what you need. Weird <laughs> is good. Weird means I haven't heard it before. Couldn't agree more. What song off of Seven means the most to you? Hmm. With seven being the name of the album, if I hadn't mentioned that already. <laughs> yeah, the
1: first one that jumps out to me is the song Nightmare. It'll be the second song on this uh, EP album, whatever you want to call it. It's... uh. It's a song... So I spent several years in Vancouver working for a company called PHS, which is like a homeless shelter organization. Um, there's actually a few bands that worked there. Like, you know, Black Mountain? Yep. I think uh, I think a couple of them worked for this company as well. And Kirby, oh, nice. the, the first time I ever kind of came into contact with Kirby, he he was... Or it wasn't Kirby, it was John, the singer. Uh, he worked adjacent to PHS as well. It's kind of interesting. There's a lot of like artists there. Kind of a life-changing place. Uh, the work itself was a whole other story, but the um, the place was just, it just had this really kind of anar- anarchy atmosphere to it. And uh, I worked in this one building for, for a couple of years, and it kind of became like a second home for me. And you get to really know all these people who... It's not technically a shelter because they actually live there, so you're you know it's just the same cast of characters and There was one day where I came to work, and a couple of people had died that I knew uh there and it's kind of to be expected you know it's just part of the it's like working at a hospital or something mm-hmm. it's the unfortunate truth of it, but uh it was the first time that had sort of happened close to me, and it was very uh strange emotion like when your work is giving you grief i don't know it's a weird feeling, but uh I actually, I, I went, I used to go into the break room and I worked night shift. So I would go like take breaks at like 5 a.m., you know, working from 8 to 8. And uh, I, don't, I wonder if John will hear this. I, he left his guitar, the War Baby guy, left his acoustic guitar in this room. And I used to go in there and secretly grab it and write music on it, which was cool. It felt like I was sneaking around or something. Sorry to John. But uh, I sat down that night when, those, uh, when I got that news and I, I just started playing and that song came out of me. And it's, it's just, uh, it's cool because whenever I sing it, I kind of, it's like a little journal entry to this weird time in my life, um,
0: just about that place. That, so that song is uh, super meaningful to me. What excites you most about unleashing your debut on the masses? Oh, nothing. I am terrified.
1: I every I hate putting music out. It sucks.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That'd be a great way to end it. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: I fucking I don't know, man. I've put out so many albums in my life, and it's just like Oh, a year and a half of work for forty likes on Instagram. Great. It, not to sound like a cynical dick, but <laughs> Mr. Positive, over it here. just <laughs> I, I, to to be more optimistic about it. I'm yes. always in creation mode. Mm-hmm. I'm never in marketing mode. And like, I I, ha- I have some skills in it, and I do try my best. But I just like I the second that album was written, I was tired of it. I'm like. Let's make more shit. So when the time for release comes, it's this weird, bittersweet. Like, have you put out a record before?
0: I have. What do you feel like when you when you release? It's a weird feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I get what you mean when it comes to the marketing, and I find honestly, and I'm not throwing shade at anyone specifically when I say this because I think this just is just a general thing. It it's sometimes can be a real hurdle for a lot of bands in order to like how well how do i how do i get this thing into as many ear holes as possible it's kind of the end of the fun part yeah oh yeah okay that's a great way to uh, put it because recording is the best part of it so fun it's so fun it's the best So i really... want to do it like tomorrow i want to be back in the studio working on something same and
1: uh yeah there's that there's it's it's i i hate goodbyes and it feels like you're waving goodbye but to be honest with you i uh i can't wait for people to fucking hear the thing it's it's my my life based on people hearing my music so i i can't wait to put these songs out uh it's it's Far and away, the best shit I've ever made, and anyone who was ever into anything I did in in my youth is gonna love this. It's it's in a lot of ways, it's the flu too. Um, it's it's that same energy, it's that same angst, just coming out of a thirty year old instead of a eighteen year old. <laughs> nice. And when can fans expect to hear Seven in full? Well, uh, the first single Cellophane is gonna come out on January twelfth of twenty twenty four. Uh and the rest of the album will kind of be released slowly after that. Okay. So I think I think it's going to be fully listenable by the end of the spring
0: probably. All right. Yeah, that that seems like a Yeah, and that's the other thing you want to talk about marketing is like you have to the fact that you have to plan everything out in advance.
1: I don't know how to do any of it. This is the part where the label uh, is going to step in, and I'm just going to relinquish all of that and just hand it to the people that have done it before because I have failed many times. That
0: is where being with a label is really helpful. I sure hope so. Yep. Because, yeah, there there is an art to it. Although, I am curious as to how you would describe your approach to engaging with your fans on social media platforms like TikTok.
1: Well, TikTok, I, my TikTok is dead in the water. I, I can't. That, well, a, shit. <laughs> that
0: app gives me a migraine. I don't know how people can look at it. I, yeah, Pacific Sound Radio is not on TikTok. I've still never downloaded it to my phone because I just see, because I'm old as well, I'm also in my 30s, I just see the clips get re, repurposed and you know pirated and thrown on, on Instagram. Like, yeah, that's that's enough of that. I feel if I'm on that like for too much time, I'd get brain cancer or something yeah it's it's just it's just being yelled at i don't like videos
1: and that's all it is it's just like it's a sensory overload but uh in terms of connecting with fans i mean i would never call any of my listeners fans but if there's people at a show that's that are clearly enjoying it i uh, it's my favorite thing ever to hang out and talk about what made them feel good it's all i ever want to do when i see bands that i love um and, you know, on social media, I try to put out the odd video here and there and have some fun with it. But I haven't cracked the code. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing on there. Uh, it A lot of it feels very, um, like, just new territory for me. I'm trying my best.
0: One of the things you did do on that platform that I thought was fun was you uh, released a series of covers featuring your takes on songs like Hey Bulldog by The Beatles, Cry Me River by Justin Timberlake, and Flowers by Miley Cyrus. What was it about the songs you picked that you felt lent themselves well to the Holy Felix sound? That's very sweet of you that you uh, looked at those. Um,
1: <laughs> I, uh, I do my research. You really do. I basically just picked the songs that I grew up listening to. Um, Hey, Bulldog's always been my favorite Beatles song. And I always huh. thought it sounded like a metal song to me. Like, this could be heavy as fuck.
0: I always thought about thought that about Helter Skelter, but that's a little bit more obvious, I well, suppose. Well, definitely. Yeah. I just love the riff
1: in Hey, Bulldog.
0: And I'm like, I need to hear this dropped. Um,
1: and then uh, the Miley one was just popular, so I, why not give it a shot? Yeah. Kind of matched my range. Beyonce and Timberlake, like, these are things that I've always loved. Um despite my <laughs> aesthetic i genuinely love that music and that production there's something about like um the production of that that era that just really speaks to me um like uh Timbaland and 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 um, Pharrell, guys like that, that just—I don't know—I feel like they've mastered the art of making that sound. Oh yeah. So that kind of stuff just really uh, inspires me. Also, I did the Smash Mouth one, and uh, they commented on the on it. No way! <laughs> it was my my uh, 15 seconds of fame right there. Yeah. Yeah, Smash Mouth comment, and then the guy died. So. Yeah.
0: Whoops. Sorry. Mm. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. I think he had retired from the band before. Ooh. Before that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> but why? Do you think I should do more of those? They had some not engagement. A, yeah, not a bad idea. <laughs> they were fun. I yeah. did it because I, I mean, it looked too. fun,
0: so, you know. Um, <laughs> if I can... Uh, uh, oh, I'm going to be a little catty for a second. Yeah. I appreciate that you're like, oh, I'm just going to do a cover of this song in my style. You weren't doing the, oh, let's take this song, but do it in another su- style.
1: I don't... That just feels played out to me. Yeah,
0: and Some people are really good at it, but some it's people like... people are.
1: It just get It, it, it reeks of... Uh, Trend following, which you have to do. This is the thing. Yeah. My, I've spent my whole life swimming against the stream mm-hmm. in terms of the culture and like. And you can't do that on social media. Nope. You, it's, you're, you have to follow. It's like literally all about, on TikTok at least, picking things that are trending. And that just feels, it, it just eats at my heart to do that. Like I can't, I can't seem to find a way to do it in a, in a way that doesn't feel forced. But yeah. someday I will. I'll figure it out. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm figuring it out still.
0: So I didn't feel too bad about getting into my thirties. It's like, well, I was never cool to begin with, so I'm definitely not gonna be with the cool with the kids anymore.
1: Dude, me neither. Whenever I think back to like high school and everything, it was like I've always been on the outside of pop culture. So whatever. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna remain. I like the people on the outside. You know. It's funny too because I, I often come around to things like later. Like yeah, I, I I'm I've I bet had that you habit. I'm gonna love uh, what's popular right now? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I'll probably <laughs> love her in like five
0: years. <laughs> oh well, I I've even said this to my girlfriend because of course my girlfriend love you uh, <laughs> was like, hey, can you try and like you know get on the queue for like the the promo code mm. for the for the Vancouver show? Um, she forgot to ask me and I forgot to do it. But uh, in any case, like she likes Taylor Swift, but she isn't a Swifty. But I've said this to her. It's just like you know, I'm willing to give Taylor Swift a shot. But give me a couple years, and this has died down a bit because it's a little. This will date the episode, but right now, at this moment in time, Taylor Swift appreciation has hit a fever pitch. <laughs> There's a hysteria. I would There's call a hysteria. It. Which is tickets uh, are going on resale for almost twenty grand. Is that a real number? Uh, well, that's what I saw. I mean, God, know, why would the internet lie to me about that? But, but <laughs> that I is... believe the resale price is being ridiculous, though. My my, yeah, yeah. No, I'm
1: I'm kind of with you. I I I'm a. Unfortunately, one of those guys who just has a hard time liking whatever's popular. And I hate that about myself, but it's true. <laughs> you
0: know, I don't know. Yeah, because there are plenty of examples. And I'm not necessarily saying that Taylor Swift isn't included in that, but there's plenty of examples of like artists being popular because they're genuinely good. Yeah, absolutely. Like these contemporary ones, Adele, Kendrick Lamar. Big time. Yeah. Love those guys. But yeah, the
1: hysteria doesn't really have an effect on me. In fact, it reminds me a lot of the church, if I'm being
0: honest. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> I've seen plenty of, a uh, don't what Swifties after me for this, but I've seen plenty of parody stuff where it's just like Taylor Swift tells her fo- followers it's time to shed their physical forms and ascend. Ascend. Honestly, that would make me
1: fucking love her. She just starts doing some cult shit in the, in the arenas. Like, okay, now I'm on
0: board. <laughs> be cooler than running for president, that's for sure. Oh Although she probably win. She probably win. She'd probably win. Her versus the rock. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, so uh, from the clips I've seen, because I haven't had a chance to see you live yet, but I'm going to rectify that soon, you definitely place a huge emphasis on creating an engaging live experience for your audience. Why is showmanship important to you, and why is it a crucial element of your act? Okay. This is
1: going to sound kind of like a canned answer but I promise it's not. Um I was thinking about this today. I thought maybe we might talk about performance and it's I ha- I put on an overly dramatic show some would say. Uh, it's very uh performative in, in almost like a a play or something. But um I was thinking about why that is today. And I had this memory of seeing a magician when I was like 9 or something. And I think it was when I really fell in love with that that feeling of being in a crowd and, and like you're just being sort of controlled by this per like you're just in a sort of state of wonder watching someone who's just like not making any mistakes and they're moving with such grace. Not that I move with grace because I very do not. But there was something like inca- uh, intoxicating about it to me. And and that combined with this other experience, and like I said, this is a weird answer, but it's true. Uh, when I was 12 or something, I, I went to Disneyland And I remember being in the lineup of a Star Wars ride, and the lineup itself was actually more fun than the ride. And it was this weird thing where it really, like, stuck with me because it was like, oh, yeah, you could make the whole thing fun. And so in some ways, I think that is part of the weirdness of my show and, like, the – I like to craft – big silly intros and uh, dramatic exits you know most musicians do but but it's this feeling of like i want the whole thing to just kind of feel like you're watching some magician make some weird uh, performance
0: and Disneyland.
1: And Disneyland. And Disneyland. Someday I'm going to have lineups for my shows with weird little things happening. I mean, that'd be cool. I'll hire some sort of circus performer to come
0: freak everybody out. And the show will start before you're even in the venue. It almost sounds like you need to get in touch with uh, History of Gunpowder, because I know they're doing the another circus show in the new year. I love those guys, and I also listened to a bit of that
1: one with Alex, and it was very sweet of him to mention me as well. He's doing something that's extremely
0: admirable. They're, oh, yeah. Their brand. I'm uh, I'm waiting on Baited Breath for that Swallows album, which I thought would have been out by now, but yeah, I, I watched when I is listening, it's like, hey, hey, put it out. I want to listen to it. <laughs> I watched the movie uh, at the Rio.
1: It was oh, very, nice. It yeah, was, was really cool. I was
0: out of town at the time, but I would have loved to have seen it.
1: Yeah, I think he was uh, working on it up until like three hours before it played. Holy so shit. I think he's the, the kind of guy who sort of leaves it up to the last second.
0: Or just as to every detail. That's probably
1: yeah. it. And it, by the way, he nailed it. That movie is like, I, I went into it thinking this might be kind of slow, and uh, it was not. It was very engaging and like super well done.
0: Yeah, because I saw the live clips, isolated live clips from it, and just like, holy shit, just the way it was shot, just the the, the, the warmth of the colors, and just, yeah, they worked with an incredible team. Big time, yeah, they, they rule. What does 2024 hold for Holy Felix? Well, it holds right now
1: a lot of uh, sort of half-finished ideas. Um, I re- Like, as I said, I recently signed, so I'm still kind of in the early stages of what's coming. The only sure thing is seven, uh, and there's a lot of conversations about really cool opportunities that may or may not happen. So at this point, I'm basically just... Praying to whatever uh, demon or angel is is watching over me to hopefully see some of these things through, but yeah, we'll see.
0: But at the very least, we'll get that record out and probably some shows. As Definitely well. some right. shows.
1: Yeah, and uh, as soon as
0: I, as soon as I have a date, I'll, I'll put you on the guest list. Hell yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. What local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the show for a future episode? Okay, so I knew you'd ask, so I wrote down... Aha! Uh, five I have a prepared person on the show.
1: Um, Take note, listeners. Just because... uh, And I, I could name a thousand, and by the way, a bunch of them have been on already. Uh, I was looking I've been through, running for
0: a while, so...
1: Yeah, I was looking through your list, I'm like, okay, well, I was going to say these people, but they're already on there. So um, I narrowed it down to... Five of my current favorite bands in Vancouver, Um, starting with Bad Magic, Eric is one of my closest friends and he is just doing something very incredible. And his new sound, his new record that he's working on, also with Kevi and Mike, uh, is, is an evolution of something really cool. So I'm looking nice. forward to that.
0: Yeah, I definitely need to have bad magic on.
1: Yes, you do. Also, uh, trust this mechanism. Um, one of my closest friends, Adam, the singer. He—that's uh, his band. I mentioned him before. They're—they're they're extremely interesting. It's this. I, I don't want to b- put it in any sort of box. You'll have to listen. But okay, uh, it's—it's it's like a synth rock, and it's just got a lot of grit to it. It's mm. very like well-crafted, good chord progressions. Really. The guy is a craftsman. Music's great. Um, another really good band that's about to release, um, or I don't know if they're about to release, but they just finished a really great record, is, is called Sonderus. Uh, a friend of mine, Tyrell, is the singer. Um, it, it's total metal. It's, I don't know what they call it, metal core, whatever the fuck core. But uh, I heard the record. A guy, Jordan Chase from Kelowna, produced it, and it's, it's madness. Nice. Uh, and then I got two more for you guys I don't know as well. But I saw a band at The Wise maybe six months ago called Neck of the Woods. Oh yeah. Do you know I, them? Y-
0: yes, I've heard of uh heard of them. I I've been I wanna have them on the show. I'm not sure if they've got new stuff coming out, but I might as well just have them on.
1: They just put out a new song, uh or at least it's nearly out. I've been hearing clips. Oh sick. They is the scariest fucking show I've ever seen. I was like <laughs> scared of the band in yeah, a real I've, way. I've seen them before and like yeah, they were fucking nuts. So they uh, yeah, they blew my mind. Uh, and then finally, uh, one of my closest and dearest favorite Vancouver bands other than War Baby and Invasives is Dead Quiet, which is Kevin Keegan's band. Mm-hmm. Uh, he his previous band was Barnburner. They had some success. but uh, they're doing this doom, metal shit that is just my favorite kind of music it's 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 the it's the type of metal that's so slow you can't even find where the snare is gonna hit it's, it's like, like it's
0: like magma flowing it over is magma iceland it, oh too soon Sorry. it's that <laughs> it's that perfect sort of stoner rock metal doom yeah. shit uh dead quiet rips yeah. yeah i appreciate the metal suggestions because i've only had one metal band on the show for no good reason so how dare you i know <laughs> I got to fix that, especially in the new year. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is awesome, Felix. Uh, looking forward to hearing the album when it's finally out and uh, checking your live show out. Hell the yeah. First man. time, too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Before we close this episode off with one more song by our featured guest, I just want to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio and on our website at pacificsoundradio.com. If you like the show, you can give us a five star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. Here is one more special preview track off of the upcoming Holy Felix LP. This is Blood Pools.